Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 389th edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Coming at you on Voice America Business Channel. And we're broadcasting in this our ninth year across the world today. We're broadcasting from the Los Angeles Convention Center, where the CIS Conference for Blockchain Technology and Innovation is in full swing. Today and tomorrow, uh, well, today, all day, we've had presentations from about 75 of the top people in blockchain and cryptocurrency technology in the world. And tomorrow we have about another presentations by about, about another 70 people. And uh, this is truly the place where technology meets entertainment. It was a great day today. And uh, this is the leading conference and expo focused on blockchain technologies, on entrepreneurs, investors, developers. It's an exclusive, curated, high-impact, informative, and, boy, thought-provoking event presented by some of the world's foremost innovators, change makers, and prominent leaders in the blockchain ecosystem. We started off this morning bright and early, 9 o'clock, with um, Tim Draper giving us some of his his insights about uh, what's happening with blockchain and cryptocurrency around the world. So that was a great way to start the day off. But... um, Following that, there was Jay Chang from Block One, Chase Hero from the Nexus Group, Crystal Rose from Sense, Alan Austin from Litecoin Foundation, and a whole bunch more. It was a truly amazing day, and you can't beat in-person meetings and network with these top-tier business and technology leaders. The um, token-based ecosystem known as blockchain and cryptocurrency is booming And today was testament to it, totally sold out. Now, there's over a million companies now using blockchain. And in tomorrow's Bob Pritchard Daily Newsletter, I talk about a lot of these. And uh, if you don't get my newsletter now, you can get it free by going to my website, bobpritchard.com, and I'll talk more about that later. For those of you that are still sceptical about blockchain, and I can't see how you possibly can be, Blockchain technology is booming across all sectors, but particularly across finance, healthcare, media, government, um, and a bunch of other sectors with more innovative uses appearing every day. So let me just give you a snapshot of the tip of the iceberg. In cybersecurity, guard time has keyless signature systems, including blockchain, to secure the health records of over 1 million citizens. Remy, it's a decentralized authentication system which aims to replace logins and passwords with SSL certificates which are stored on the blockchain. Healthcare, there's a humongous amount of work happening with the blockchain on healthcare. Simply Vital Health is connecting, you've got a, a 
program called Connecting Care, which tracks the progress of patients after they leave the hospital. And another one of their companies is Health Nexus, which provides decentralized blockchain patient records, which is great. You know, I hate it when you go to the hospital, for example, and you've got to fill in your name, address, everything that's wrong with you, every ailment you've ever had, and you've got to fill it in five times. It is ridiculous. In healthcare, in healthcare, there's also MetRec, which is a blockchain electronic medical records, which manages authentication, confidentiality, and data sharing. Financial services, well, there's two dozen, three dozen major examples, but let's just take a couple. Barclays Bank, a number of blockchain initiatives involving tracking financial transactions, compliance, and combating fraud. Blockchain's the ideal way to do that. Augur, which is a blockchain-based predictions market for the trading of derivatives and other financial instruments in a totally decentralized ecosystem. Blockchain's in use right across the manufacturing and industrial sector. Provenance, the company that provides a blockchain-based provenance record of transparency within supply chains. SKUchain, which is a blockchain system for allowing tracking and tracing of goods as they pass down through the supply chain. As you know, this is SKU, S-K-U, which refers to every single individual item, brand item in a supermarket or any other retailer. Storage.io which is a distributed and encrypted cloud storage, which allows users to share unused hard drive space, which is fantastic because we've all got all this hard drive space that's not being used, and this enables people who want a lot of hard drive space to rent some of yours, and uh, all on the blockchain. In government, governments are starting to use Um, Blockchain in Dubai, they're planning to be the world's first totally blockchain-powered state across health records, shipping, business, prevention of the spread of conflict diamonds and a whole bunch of other things. Governments are using it for distribution of welfare payments, etc., to keep track. It's totally... um, totally trackable, and it does all of the um, accounting and all of your audit records for you. GovCoin, the UK Department of Work and Pensions, is using blockchain technology to record and administer benefit payments, what I was just talking about. Follow My Vote allows secure, transparent voting systems. It reduces voter fraud and increases turnout through improved accessibility to, to democracy. And we need that in the States. Firstly, we need to have transparent voting systems and we need to improve turnout because too many state governments are limiting turnout as hard and as fast as they can. And uh, that's got to be stopped Charities using blockchain, BitGive, 
which uh, provides greater transparency to charity donations and a, clear, a clearer link between giving and the outcomes of the projects that are benefiting from that giving. In retail, open bazaars are a decentralized market where goods and services can be traded with absolutely no middleman. Blockpoint allows retailers to build payment systems around blockchain currencies, as well as blockchain-derived gift cards and loyalty schemes. Today, there was a lot of discussion about using cryptocurrencies to pay bills and to buy products, and there's a whole range of companies that are setting up Amazon-type companies where you can pay with cryptocurrency, although I think Amazon will take on cryptocurrency before long, which will put them out of business, but nevertheless, in transport and tourism, IBM has blockchain solutions in the vehicle leasing industry. Arcade City is moving ride sharing and car hiring onto the blockchain. Webjet is a blockchain solution that allows the tracking of empty hotel rooms and allows them to be traded. In media, Kodak is a blockchain system for tracking intellectual property rights and payments to photographers. There are quite a number of blockchain companies in the music business which record and track royalties for musicians and allows them to create a record of ownership of all their own work. And they're just a few of the over 1.7 million enterprises currently employing blockchain. So if you're sitting there thinking, oh, blockchain's a scam, firstly, it's not. Secondly, you are an idiot. Now, do you get my local dick and my, I'm sorry for the laugh, but my wife's sitting opposite me pulling faces and telling me that I shouldn't call people idiots. But if you don't know anything about blockchain, you should. Do you get my daily 30-second read business newsletter? You should. It takes about 30 seconds every day. We tackle a different subject from advances in medicine to new apps to new technology to things like Hyperloop, autonomous cars, blockchain. So you really should subscribe to it. It's the Bob Pritchard newsletter. Simply go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and subscribe. Now, nearly everybody who was at the CIS conference today has flown in from somewhere. They're all from all over the world. Now, did you catch TripAdvisor's Traveler's Choice Awards for Airlines that was released this week? You should. For those of us who travel a lot, there's not a, not too many surprises. The number one airline in the world, Singapore Airlines. Number two, Qatar Airways. Number three, EVA, which is a Taiwanese airline. Number four, Emirates. Number five, Japan Airlines. Number six, and the only American airline to make the list, Southwest. Number seven is Brazil's Azul. Number eight is Air New Zealand. Number nine is the UK airline Jet2. And number 10 is ANA, which of course is Japanese. And the class of service global winners, which recognises airlines that provide excellent service in each cabin, best first class cabin, 
Emirates. Best business class, Qatar, both from the Emirates. Best premium economy in New Zealand and best economy, Singapore Airlines. Now, there's been a Singapore blockchain breakthrough for financial markets. The Monetary Authority of Singapore and the Singapore Stock Exchange have successfully developed an automated settlement solution for tokenized assets. MAS, Singapore's financial regulator, has said that the delivery versus payment mechanism will allow for the settlement of tokenized assets across a range of black block pay, block pay, blockchain platforms. The um, collaborative effort marks the latest phase of MAS project Uben, which aims at investigating how distributed ledger technology can be utilised in the clearing and settlement of payments and securities. This successful trial suggests that an overhaul of traditional financial networks is getting very, very close. Now, typically, the the settlement procedure requires the use of electronic ledgers to track and update records of transactions. However, that's really slow and really inefficient and usually they rely on manual input. And as we know, anything that's got people involved with it is going to be slow and it's often going to be inaccurate. So this enables, this increases costs and opens up the possibility of fraud and hacks. The the breakthrough in Singapore enables financial institutions to carry out these processes simultaneously with transaction obligations recorded on a shared ledger. An extraordinary 75% of financial market infrastructure operators, they're either using distributed ledger technology or they're working on pilots using distributed ledger technology. So that's a great sign for the future. And this could allow Singapore to move ahead of all the other financial centres in the world in blockchain innovation. Regulators worldwide would be, you know, they'd be pretty wise to keep tabs on these sorts of developments as they highlight the potential role played by authorities in fueling innovation in financial markets. And the opportunities are unbelievable. The growth in economy could be massive right across the world. My interview guest today is David Sapper who is a co-founder of Blockbid, and he successfully exited two other startups that he founded. And Blockbid will facilitate trading of more coins on a single platform than any other exchange with a flat 0.1% transaction fee, which is cheap. You think of banks. Every time they do something, they charge you whatever, 35 bucks or 50 bucks or something. And Blockbit offers the lowest rates available, and its exchange is ex- scalable up to 1 million transactions a second. Now, bearing in mind that, mind that Bitcoin can only do seven transactions a second, and Blockbit can do a million transactions a second. Pretty interesting stuff, huh? This is Bob Pritchard, and I'll be back with David Sapper in just a moment.
you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. Now, over the last eight years, boy, that's a long time, we've given you insights into the lives of over 350 of the world's most interesting people some fantastic companies. We've talked about what they do, and we've tried to find out what it is that makes the entrepreneurs tick. You know, it's extremely rare to find an extraordinary personality or a unique talent or even a successful business with over 97% of all new businesses failing. It's obviously very difficult to create a successful business. So we try to get them on the program, and I've got another gem today. Recently in Australia, I had a lovely dinner with a friend of mine and a guy named David Sapper, and he was telling me about Blockbid, a secure exchange with the goal of facilitating the highest volume of trades for the most cryptocurrencies with a single login. You know, I've been in crypto for quite a while, and I'm doing an ICO, and you know, it has been, it's getting a little easier. But it's been very difficult to trade crypto. And uh, so we, we got talking and, you know, found out that Blockbit will also support mainstream fiat currencies for more diverse trading. And uh, they're aiming to facilitate trading of more coins on a single platform than any other exchange. Now, the interesting thing I reckon is that Blockbit is scalable up to 1 million transactions per second. That is a shitload. And the Blockbit platform's been built to support traders of all experience levels. And Blockbit's one of the first to be fully covered by cybersecurity insurance. Now, a bit about David. David's got a great track record. He's a co-founder at Blockbit, and he successfully exited two other tech startups that he founded. He's um, experienced at penetrating new markets by leveraging his analytical skills. He's quite a serious guy, but he's, he's also a fun guy and an interesting guy. And uh, we, had a, we had a great night. He uses his passion and technical experience to create startups that disrupt the commercial landscape. Then he sells out and makes a shared load of money. That all sounds good. David, 
Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You are being heard all around the world. Thank you, Bob. And as you mentioned, it was a really great dinner to be able to sit down. It was really, really great. Sit down, have a chat, and uh, also discuss with you a passion of mine, which happens to be also a passion of yours for for quite a long time. Yeah. (laughs) You know, how does Blockbid aim to create a more transparent and secure cryptocurrency trading platform? I mean, we hear so much about platforms and this. They seem to pop up all over the place and and, uh, constantly getting hacked and... So how do you aim to create a more transparent and secure trading platform? For us, it was really clear from the onset that we had to build a great foundation. Um, And it came across with a very simple mindset of bringing stock market-like accessibility, um, usability, and transparency to the cryptocurrency market. Right. Uh, for us, uh, we, we thought that we needed to exceed user expectations. We needed to exceed uh, the stringent global expectations as well for government regulations or regulatory oversight. And we started creating great alliances and setting the foundation around insurance, usability, and scalability as well. So, the, how do you um, protect against bad actors, you know, money launderers or people seeking to finance illegal activity or people just trying to avoid tax? So for us, this, this was actually a partnership that we formed over about six to eight months. We, we were in touch with Threat Metrics uh, based here in Sydney originally. They're a uh, device ID fraudulent detection monitoring system that is used by the big banks and by their parent company, LexisNexis Risk Solutions. And between both of them, we, we were able to not only provide a full bank-grade KYC solution, yeah. we're also able to provide a behavioral monitoral analysis system that works for overlapping different types of data, biometrics, government issues, identifiers, device identification, geolocation, and threat intelligence that really allows us to determine if there are any bad actors and whether there are any money launderers or such that are seeking to finance illegal activity on a site and put a stop to that. Right. And, and you did um, point out that um, this system is to exclude me, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so does this extra technology and security create any issues in, um, in dealing with Blockbit? First, we, we did understand that Blockbit was looking to set the bar worldwide. And the cryptocurrency boom that we're currently seeing worldwide is really taking the steps to move out of the Wild West. Everyone has had this notion that you move into the scene, uh, you potentially you know, invest in a particular project or market and uh, you know, take your money out a day later and buy a house. Yeah. And while this does attract you know, the, the various different individuals to the market itself, we, we really want to see the industry grow. And as we've seen in the dot-com boom, as we've seen in many different areas where new technology emerges, there always has to be someone standing at the front and saying, we are there to protect not only the consumers, we are there to also heed 
the obligatory oversight that is needed by the government as well, or by the regulatory body. And we decided to stand there and say, this is us. This is what we're looking for, and thereby attract institutional investors or many other parties that have been sitting on the side waiting for the technology and the industry to mature to the next level before being able to enter the market. Right. I think that's I think that's beginning to happen. Um, you know, we've been through the wild swings of of prices, etc., and it seems to me that there's a hell of a lot of the big institutional guys that are getting into crypto now, uh, and as well as a lot of the big investors, the Peter T- Peter Thiel of this world and and the Drapers and all of that lot, um, investing very heavily, and. Uh, it seems that the SEC in America is sort of laid off a bit to allow it to mature. And I have a feeling that we're just about at the bottom of the cycle now. I think from here on, or pretty close to the bottom, I think from the rest of the year, there's going to be a fairly solid growth in prices, I think. <laughs> I have been yeah. there before. <laughs> that that is very true, and for us, we are on the same sort of boat as well. We have the same feeling. We understood that every single new industry needs to go through a bit of a cycle, a bit of a change, and needs to understand what is the bad, what is the good, and how to look out for the red flags and how to look out for the great projects. Yeah. And the industry over the last five or six years has gone through extreme growth, and this is definitely going to attract all different types of people. But the, the members that are going to participate in this market and are going to help foster the growth um, are looking to not only make sure that the regulatory government bodies, which in their jurisdiction, are happy, but also they protect the consumers um, at the heart and the core of their business as well. And it's about becoming that businessman, bringing the same sort of um, oversight that financial institutions or businesses are beholden to, to a new and emerging market. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Now, how does the partnership with Nexus Nexus Risk Solutions, how does that actually screen out people potentially engaged in illegal activity? What are, what's, the, what's the process? So what, what we've found in the past that many exchanges have allowed the users just to sign up with the email address, there's no identification, there's no knowledge of where that money has come from or where it is going to go. And while this has helped the industry sort of fuel the growth momentarily, it had also had allowed for bad actors. Um, and th- this is where the government wants to clamp down because the process for them is very simple. If there's an avenue for someone to launder money for illegal activity, um, that, would, that would take the hard steps rather than working out in the middle ground. And for us, the partnership was left as Nexus Risk Solutions allowed us in real time to monitor users from the moment they come on site by identifying them and having government-issued identifiers confirmed by LexisNexis Resolutions. And they're using part of the solution of threat metrics to be able to determine if the device itself has been involved in any fraudulent activity. And then it monitors the behavior um, over the course of various different pages to allow us to know if there's any particular interest in the background that is could be determined as suspicious activity. So, what's your, what's your view on the um, um, anonymity of cryptocurrency trading? <clears throat> is, it, is it possible or 
by allowing anonymity, you allow bad actors to run amok. So I personally think in, in our instance that there's definitely some degree of anonymity that needs to be held as well. We, we do own the right to our own privacy, to understand what, what we'd like to spend our money on, where we're spending it, and how much we particularly own as well. Blockchain has seemed to have taken that control out of the user's hands. The idea is that your wallet address is available online uh, for anyone to see what is the holdings of that particular wallet. Right. Uh, but the degree of anonymity that we do have is that the, nobody knows who owns that particular wallet address. Right. So while an exchange has the ability to be able to link a particular type of wallet to a particular type of user due, due to the sign-up process, we, we don't retain that data, and that allows us to be able to determine um, that the user from day one, when they have come to the site, is not a fraudulent user. And they can have that degree of anonymity, although... They, it's up to their responsibility to report, you know, their tax obligations to the government as well, and uh, to their juris- according to their jurisdiction, they have to report it. We can help out in allowing you to understand what sort of tax obligations are, what your obligations are by country as well. But there is always some anonymity that people are going to want, and while there will be some available, the idea behind what cryptocurrency can bring to, you know, the current market is only the start of it. And while some people want to retain that anonymity, we're really looking at what could foster many, many different new markets across the world. So are you saying that you can analyse accounts and determine in the main what may be suspicious or illegal activity and... You only divulge the name of the account holder if that is the case, if it, if it runs up a red flag? So by using the gatekeeper model of yep. LexisNexis Bridge Solution, it allows us as to determine by the identification that the user has provided whether this person is on the global watch list um, or if there's any issues that may have occurred in the past in regards to this person's ID. And that could be even if there was a, uh, a theft of identity and it was being used by somebody overseas or allowed to determine if this has been reported as uh, stolen. Um, the process for us is that while a user's on a site, if a user's account is behaving uh, erratically, so a normal user, the, the AI system that ThreatMetrics has in the background um, and various other behavioral monitoring analysis systems allows to determine that if a user trades on average, let's say, $1,000 per day, and suddenly there's a massive spike of uh, a couple million dollars worth of crypto coming in and being transferred to fiat currencies and being exited, this could potentially be a suspicious uh, activity. And it allows us to, for us to flag and report it to the relevant bodies, such as Austrac here in Australia. And the idea behind this is that for the industry to grow, there is always going to be the bad actors out there trying to take advantage. And we want to be the first person where the back stops. We want to make sure that there's no bad actors on our site. We are there to protect every single consumer on our site as well, as well as meet the obligatory oversight by Austrac and by the ATO as well. Well, I've got got friends. Um, For example, I was talking to a... um 
a business consultant, if you like, in um, in Beverly Hills the other day who was trying to buy um, $100 million worth of crypto, worth of bitcoins. And I also have a number of friends who trade crypto every day and some of them making up to 10 grand a day just trading crypto. So would both of those instances both automatically flag bring up a red flag so that they were um, that come to some authorities attention so this is where the instance once again of the alliance with LexisNexis Thrift Solution helps us out in so many different formats because by allowing the device ID um, of the user to be identified and compared to you know various other different sites that they 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 surf across the web and allow them to determine that this user is not a bad actor our systems can automatically determine that while there may be a large transaction or a large amount of volume for their account, it is not out of the norm for them. Right. The idea behind that is that we are looking to protect compromised accounts. Uh, a user that doesn't particularly behave in this, in this aspect, they don't normally trade these type of markets, they don't normally try to extract large amounts of money at a certain time. Most bad actors are looking to try and move money in various uh, particular ways. And this allows us to create policies around the network that allows us to determine what ways we can work with to understand what is a bad actor. Now, we, over time, understand those policies better. They become more granular as well and allow us to protect not only the good users, but allow us to make sure there's no false positives as well. Right, so then you say that you um, implement similar controls to the biggest banks in the world. Um, while I can see why that adds credibility to crypto exchanges um, to some degree, banks do not have a great reputation for doing much, and most people hate banks. Do you, do you, yeah. think, do you think that is a, um, a negative towards cryptocurrency exchanges? Well, what we have thought of was very simple. Um, we, we had this idea in our mind that we needed our users to feel secure, that we wanted them to trade with confidence and to really bring that across to any user that interacts with our exchange. And we realized over time that as human beings, we, we have this sort of checklist in our mind that allows us to determine what we feel secure about. If you go to a new website to purchase a new item, um, as long as it's a secure connection, you, you, you have this mental tick in your mind. When you put your credit card in to purchase this particular item, if there's a PayPal checkout, it allows you to have this tick in mind. And the reason why you feel safe interacting with that site is because you've become used to this process that you are looking for personal protection. You are looking that when you are going to spend your hard-earned money, or you're going to trade on a particular site or interact with a particular site, if there is any bad actors in the background acting on that site where they may particularly uh, take credit card information, take your data, there is someone that is going to protect you. And we wanted to offer that same sort of protection. We want, wanted to let our youth know that they've come to our site, that no matter which way you interact, if there is any possibility of bad actors taking your, uh, taking your ID or identification, or stealing any sort of your, any part of your crypto as well, we can weed them out and we will protect you as well. And providing that same confidence and that same peace of mind that you have when you interact with other sites. 
Right. So how could cryptocurrency change banking regulations and does cryptocurrency mean the end of banking as we know it? But my personal opinion, um, and I'm sure shared by many others, is that cryptocurrency will probably enhance the current market. We, we are already seeing a change around the world of the way that we handle money. We've become a much less cashless society. Uh, we've moved a lot over to using our cards or our phones. Particularly in Australia, we've recently moved over to the system of tap and go. Yep. It's uh, right across Australia allows us to uh, spend up to $100 without putting a pin in just by tapping our card at the register. Yep. We, we are becoming increasingly more reliable in various technologies that have been tried and tested. And re- this reliance on these technologies has allowed us to the it allows us to sort of move forward at this blazing speed. And cryptocurrency, while it's still being explored, can allow us to go to the petrol station and fill up the car without ever having to go inside to pay for it. Our car potentially has cryptocurrency petrol credit. It automatically syncs with the pump when you go there, and then you get to leave. And this allows us to just have an idea of where it potentially help us out. And while there may always be, you know, the banks, there may always be the federal institutions or the federal reserves, cryptocurrency could help enhance what is already out there and take us to the next level of where we find that we're merging a large amount of our world into the digital world. I've got a number of friends that have businesses that operate internationally and a lot of them now pay all their international accounts with Bitcoin or some form of crypto. Um, so it seems to me that one area that was the preview purview of the banks, which was international money transfers and all that area, is going to be gone to the banks. Yeah. I've got, well, other, I've got other friends that are involved in... Um, using bit, um, blockchain to match people who want money with people who have money um, without going through a, a bank or through a lending institution, and that's getting to be quite prevalent. Um, I've got an investment in a company called Ula La, which is um, creating um, um, loans for undocumented, unbanked, uncredit carded people in the United States. And that's a $2.3 trillion a year market that is being done now by blockchain and again, taking out the banks. So it seems to me the days of, I mean, banks make money by, you walk into the bank and they say, oh, welcome, have a cup of tea, have a biscuit, have a bowl of water for your dog. We'll give you 1% on your money. And then you go home and you come back five minutes later and you say, hi, I'd like to borrow some of that money I just gave you and buy a car. And they say, sure, here, have a biscuit, have a cup of coffee, have a bowl for your dog. That's 8%. And they put the 7% in the middle in their pocket. Well, blockchain eliminates all that bullshit, doesn't it? Ah, it most definitely will. And the, the, the timing of this market to where we are currently in the world uh, regarding our trust basis model 
is, is amazing because over the last five to ten years, we've seen this switch over of where we, we don't particularly trust a restaurant, we don't particularly trust a model, we don't particularly trust what a salesman has been telling us, and we've been going online and we've been waiting to read a review, we've been uh, logging into websites to understand where we have this peer-based trust model. We use Airbnb, we use Uber, we use Yelp, um, to, and all these formats of, of purchasing online have come about from a peer-based trust review system. The sad and this part, is of course, the, sad the part same about, thing as blockchain. The sad part about that is that um, I was speaking to a guy um, that works with Yelp, and 80-something percent, 85 or 86% of all of the um, testimonials on Yelp are bullshit. They're all made up and put up by either rivals of whoever's being evaluated or people who are involved with people who are, <laughs> are um, being evaluated. So you can't trust any of those either. And that's where blockchain can come and help us out. It allows you as a user to provide a review to a restaurant that cannot be faked. Um, it's using from your particular address, you know, people have known the address can provide reviews to certain different sites or certain different products as well, yeah. and allows you to once again um, live in this world where we can trust the consensus, we can trust the, the, the public trust that's been provided to this item or to this particular shop or restaurant as well. It, it is really amazing, and the amount of growth that this industry has seen right across different sectors uh, has been phenomenal. Uh, as you mentioned, everything from, uh, you know, empowering people that have, have been have been part of, you know, the, what we call the unbanked until now, to everything across to the tracking industries, to the financial industries, and we are only at the start of the cycle. That's right. I agree. Um, I've, I've just written a newsletter, you know, my daily newsletter. Do you get that? I do. I most definitely do. Now, what you're supposed to say now is because you're being heard all over the world, you're supposed to say, I love it. It's fantastic. It's the first thing that I look at when I get up in the morning. <laughs> For me, it's actually, it is actually one of the first things I look at in the morning. So here in Australia, it is one of the first things I do get as well. It is, it is very different than any other news that I read and straight to the point and actually provides me insight on a very quick way to a particular problem or a particular issue that you've uh, come across or has been actually very, very interesting for me. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. <laughs> un un unprompted. Um, yeah, I wrote, and I wrote that uh, it seems to me that the, the big player over the next few years is going to be Ethereum because um, most things, irrespective of the industry or the application, seem to be being built on the Ethereum platform. Do you agree with that or not agree with that? Or I've always been a great believer of Ethereum myself. Um, the founder, um, I, I don't think he saw where it was going to go. The idea of being able to build decentralized app, being able to build tokens based around smart contracts, Yes, um, it, it's still being explored, but you have more people involved in, in trying to understand what is available and what, what is the opportune moment to be able to create a token and what's the best way to be able to create one as well. Um, it's, it's been amazing to watch the growth. We, we are very fortunate at our company to have one of 59 certified Ethereum developers in the world working for us. And I always, you know, have a moment to sit down and have a chat with him 
and discusses him, he thought as well, because 2012 or 2011, so, so now, the, the difference in where the network has gone and where it has been, and the process of us being about 70%, I think, of all traffic within the cryptocurrency space is occurring on the Ethereum network, it is not something you want to miss. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, what are, um, what's Ethereum doing about its um, transaction speed problems? There, there is processes of scalability. Um, the issue is with upgrading the network, everyone has to agree. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it, it, they, can, they can occur a fork, yes. um, as we've seen many times before. And while many people do agree to the various upgrades, what, what we're finding is that as the network grows larger, it, it, it takes a bit longer to implement upgrades because the, the, the various people that may have certain parts of control uh, to a small extent may not agree always to various upgrades. And there always will be a process that when you leave it in the public hands to determine a yes or a no, not everyone's going to agree to move forward in a particular direction. And while that is great, um, to allow the control be handed back to the public rather than a single institution or a single third party. It does also allow us to open the doors of indecision sometimes. Yeah. And gonna... yeah. 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 Scalability is always going to be an issue as we are finding that step by step, you know, the network is growing larger, more people are starting to use it. Um, although we are also standing behind it as well and working our way through. And everyone is contributing to the best way possible that they can find um, various different areas that they can help out in as well to be able to make sure that not only does it still scale up, but the people behind us who have either said yes or have said no can understand what direction we're trying to take it in to bring about improvement security, reliability, and, uh, and scalability being a large one as well. Yeah. So... How could your trading platform attract the usage volumes of cryptocurrencies globally? Because we're playing a global, we're playing in a global pond, aren't we? So, um, what's going to be the thing that attracts people to your trading platform? The security and compliance focus, along with the insurance that we're offering to protect our users against any potential bad actors and cyber attacks, uh, not only will attract the legitimate customers to our site, but also institutions that are focused on protecting their reputation. And by also partnering with BitSpread as a liquidity, liquidity provider, it positions us on a global stage to be able to interact with our customers worldwide. What's to stop um, another trading platform in the room next door saying, ah, oh, shit, what they're doing is really cool. We should do the same thing. What's to stop them just um, doing the same thing? For us, there, there is a few partnerships that are obviously quite exclusive to us, but we don't feel that a competition will necessarily be a bad thing. Competition is what uh, helps drive down prices in various different sectors and various different markets uh, to allow the users to be able to gain the advantage. And, and that is what fosters the growth. It's the users enter the market being able to have the ability to be able to interact or to be able to purchase an item um, at a non-exclusive price. And we, we've seen this right across with most of the exchanges worldwide. The, the, the cost per transaction, the withdrawal cost, the, the onboarding time has all gone down right across the board because there are other players that are entering into the market. Sure. 
And we're finding the focus on support, which is we where we are really, really looking to be able to hand our customers whatever they need to be able to understand not only the market and the coin in the background, but any help right across the board as well. And that's going to be a critical key point of difference. I'm going to launch an ICO. I'm sitting out there and I think I'm going to launch an ICO. What are the most important things um, to consider when you're launching an ICO? For us, we found that the team was really one of the key elements in launching the ICO because we're not just buying into the project, we're buying into the people that are making it. And we've seen so many different formats. We've seen various different companies get out there and fail because they thought that, you know, making a big splash is all that they needed. Yeah. But for the person sitting at home and looking at your website or someone sitting in a company and looking to invest, you, you've got a mixture of a Kickstarter and an IPO sort of model. You, you, you've got to speak to each person individually. And what they want is to be able to understand why and who is doing that and what you're trying to bring to the market and how you're trying to disrupt it. So the main process for an ICO nowadays or token generation uh, events as they call it nowadays as well, it's not just about the flashy, um, you know, website and the flashy white paper. It's really understand your market, really understand the team that you bring in to build as well, and whether you are going to make a change by bringing this to the blockchain. And right. if you are, the it, your merit it stands on its own merit. Okay, David, we've just about run out of time. Um, how does anybody who wants to get involved with Blockbid? How do they? give you money or how do they find out more just by going to the um, website which is blockbid.io or what else can they do that's correct they can also join our telegram room uh the three founders and our chief marketing officer in direct contact there uh, almost around the clock as well and they can ask us questions so like as well um Yes, definitely through through blockbit.io. If they have a question, they can send an email to info at blockbit.io and it'll be sent to the rele- uh, relevant sort of parties within the company if they have any direct questions for myself or any of the other founders. Or through Telegram. That is correct. Telegram, we feel, it provides that sort of process where they can contact us directly, sure. sort of them with a chat form basis and speak to the three founders and also our chief marketing officer as well. Terrific. Well, thank you very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, David. I look forward to getting back to Melbourne and, and having another evening out, nice meal, a few wines and a great chat. I look forward to that. Thank you. And I'll thank be, you so much as well, Bob. It's been great to actually have a chat with you. It's a pleasure. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice American Business Network after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking absolutely no bullshit business radio show on Voice America Business Network and we're broadcasting today across the world from the Los Angeles Convention Center 
and the CIS Conference for Blockchain Technology and Innovation. Today we had about 70, I guess, presenters and uh, it was extraordinary. It was a great day and uh, tomorrow we've got presentations from another 70 or so of the top people in blockchain technology in the world and this is truly the place where technology meets entertainment. And of course, after my show finishes, there is a cocktail party, which we're really looking forward to having a quiet drink. Now, Britain plans to end the internet's days as the Wild West by taking a world-leading role in regulating the world's biggest tech companies. The UK government said it wants to legislate for a new independent regulator that will oversee harmful content on social media search engines, messaging, and file-sharing platforms. Until now, as you know, the internet conventionally is seen as ungovernable. But if these platforms fail to keep hate speech and content relating to sexual abuse, violence, terrorism, self-abuse, or anything nasty off their services, they'll face huge fines under the proposed new rules. Industry lobbying bodies representing Facebook, Google and other big tech firms say the proposed laws are too vague and may harm competition. Rubbish. It's time we got rid of all this crap off the internet, in my view. I think the uh, massacre in Christchurch was just the final straw. Now, individual executives at Facebook, YouTube and Snapchat and the other big tech companies may be held personally responsible if their companies don't delete content relating to terrorism, etc. Pen- penalties could include huge individual fines and even criminal convictions. The corporations could face fines of up to 4% of a company's global turnover per infraction, meaning they could hit the billions of dollars in the most severe cases. For example... Facebook's global turnover is around $60 billion. means that fines could be $2.4 billion per offence. Whoa. That ought to make sure that they smarten up their technology. The UK government will introduce a new tech regulator, which will have the power to impose these fines if they don't rid their platforms of harmful content. And the government's plans could be finalised by this weekend. And (laughs) to add salt to the wounds, the independent regulator will be funded by a levy on these same technology firms. So they're going to levy the firms to get money to pay the independent regulator who will then fine the firms billions of dollars. Kind of ironic. These groundbreaking new laws will regulate social media, search, messaging, and even file sharing platforms for content that cause harm. That's an umbrella term that includes content relating to even underage sexting. So you'll be able to go to jail for underage sexting on any of the social platforms. These world's first online safety laws coincide with global pressure on US firms to prevent inflammatory content from appearing on their sites and comes at a time when Silicon Valley leaders 
like Mark Zuckerberg, are calling for regulation. I wonder if Mark Zuckerberg is calling for reg- regulation because he heard about these new regulations by the British government and he wanted to make sure he was on the right side of the ledger. Now, tech firms will also need to obey a duty of care, which would require them to take steps to keep users safe and to deal with illegal or harmful content. It would compel companies to respond quickly to user complaints, and this is very similar to Germany's controversial NEDS DG law, and this is a German law aimed at combating agitation and fake news. The balance... The Balancing Act is trying to, I guess, protect freedom of speech and the services that consumers obviously love while getting rid of all the nasty crap that can't do the community any good whatsoever. Now, remember, if you're not living on the edge, get out of the way. You're taking up too much space. Let somebody through that wants to succeed, that's got drive and ambition. You know, it's easier and it's much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Anybody can do the ordinary. And if you're always trying to be normal, you're always going to be boring. And you'll never know just how amazing you can be if you let your hair down. So I hope you'll join me again next Tuesday when I will again broadcast across the world from our studios on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. In the meanwhile, have a great week. Continue to be successful because the alternative to success sucks. This is Bob Pritchard at the CIS Conference at the Los Angeles Convention Center. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.